The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers, technical hosts, or any other official associations of this program. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. Welcome to the 17th edition of the Anime Roundtable. We have the all-girls edition tonight, and so you're not going to get to hear Mike, and, and he's very upset about it. He's, you know, hiding behind me, cringing, probably, as I open this. Um, our theme this week is Belated White Day. Um, I'm going to introduce everyone around the table. Um, we have several topics up for discussion, notably boys' love, food, super flat, and shoujo recommendations from everyone. Okay, so as we go around the table tonight, we have Carol, Mel, who are both new. Okay, um, they are uh, Yama regulars and I think future executive people. I yes. think so. Yes. Yep. Okay. Well, um, there so they are. <laughs> <laughs> we also have Angela and Clarissa, who are regulars here, so everyone should know them. So I'm just going to go around mm -hmm. the table and do a little bit of an introduction. Okay, so we have Carol way across the table on the other side. Hello. Um, she's a theater junkie, in production, not acting, and has been watching anime for six years, and is a self-proclaimed maniac, which is very, very important, in both in anime and in her chosen field of study. Okay, yep. and we have Mel, who's a theater production major, brought into anime a year and a half ago, so she's relatively new, so we'd love to hear your opinions on everything, <laughs> um, by her crazy roommate, and is clinically insane. She's a baby. Best friend. Okay, her roommate <laughs> is the clinically insane one. No, I'm the clinically insane one, the roommate's. Okay, she's well, I don't know. roommate's always <laughs> slightly clinically insane. Okay, <laughs> and then we have Angela Jordan, and she's written her own bio here, so it's a new one. Okay, fine arts major, comic book artist, and future president of Yama. Yay. Okay, obsessed with old school shoujo, <laughs> and has been studying <laughs> Japanese for three years, but still has a long, long way to go, and I would imagine. Yeah, Japanese is tricky. Okay, and we've got Clarissa, undergrad student, anime club president, and soon to be exchange student in Japan. <laughs> Only 14 more days? Really? Ah, uh, yeah, 14 more days. We're gonna miss you. I I'm kind of started freaking out and hyperventilating today, but well, well it comes we'll in waves. It, it, I would imagine. I Wait. tend to like not think about it for several days at a time, and then I check the calendar and I start freaking out again. It's it's fun. <laughs> I think I think when I hit the three day mark, it's it's gonna be pretty Straight intense. Straight into panic mode. Yeah. Just remember, paper bags don't really work. Good to know. But yeah, I'm pretty excited. I get to pick up my passport on Friday. It's all kind of being thrown together last minute. I still have to go grab my visa and everything else. But is, is your passport photo horrific? I have no idea. Mine is. Mine, I look, it looks like a mugshot. The only thing that I know is that, yeah, I have to go and pick it up and sign it. Oh, like my passport pictures should be okay. I'm, yeah, I'm not anticipating it's going to be too bad. They're really awful. Yeah? Yeah, usually. Oh, yeah. Mugshot-like. <laughs> you have to because you can't smile. Yeah. Well, I got my done at York Lanes, and like I don't know, they they turned out pretty good. Well, mine, I don't think I have too. it with me. Mine's awful. Yeah. Yeah, I just got mine done this year too. I guess everyone's getting their passport this year. Yeah. I'm pretty lucky though, because both right now my passport and my driver's license are pretty decent pictures. Like I think I really I lucked out. I've never had a decent license or um, health card picture because my mother is usually there with me, and her goal is to make me laugh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I still have the old health card. I'm not letting go of that sucker until they pry it from my fingers. <laughs> Plastic came off mine. It's, I still got it's it. It's a good idea because once you get the green one, you have to keep renewing it. I think it. eventually yeah. they are phasing the old ones out. Eventually, but yeah, I no. I think it's seven years or something. Yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. That's well, a good yeah. long, vague period of time. To the very <laughs> bitter end. Ditto that. <laughs> okay, so on to our first topic: boys' love, also called yaoi. Okay, so this is homoerotic anime designed for and by women. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're just going to go around and get everyone's sort of initial opinion. So this can be, um, you don't have to do anything about your personal preferences <laughs> or interests in it, but, but more more, what do, you, what do you think the appeal for women is? What do you think it is in general? Seeing two hot guys get it on with each other? Okay, well, beyond, <laughs> beyond the obvious. <laughs> um, 
Well, if we're, we're going to like dive right into like the whole what we think, yeah, like the background of it. I think it's being able to see two males together because they represent equals. Like, there's not necessarily one person that is the dominant one; it's submissive. Like, they have to kind of determine that role for themselves. Which, if you have a male, female, and a, a female character, the female is automatically assumed to be like the submissive one, and they already kind of have these predefined roles within the relationship. Whereas, mm -hmm. when there's two yeah. men, there's you kind of have to decide who's going to be which person and yeah. how are they going to interact with each other. Uh, I just want to jump in there. I think that, like, for from our perspective, that might be more appealing. Like uh, manga, like Fake, that have two characters who are who look pretty similar. Like that, that sort of thing is more attractive to us, I think. But from a Japanese perspective, like, often there's a really huge difference between what the the top and the bottom, if you know what I mean, look like. Like the the right. bottom can like take Shuichi from gravitation. He looks like a girl. For yeah, all intents and purposes, like girl, he is a girl. Yeah. You know, it's just he's a guy, but he's. He's, he's a girl he's too. Well, yeah. usually mm -hmm. they're 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 more diminutive, um, more fair featured, right? Short, yeah, yeah. shorter. Yeah. There is a shorter. That's basically the rule yeah. of thumb, isn't it? Like the taller one is usually. And so taller. it's still it's, yeah. it's still it's still an aesthetic difference. Yeah, for oh. sure. I think is kind of one of the exceptions to the rule, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And like Rio, one of the characters is the older one, and he's a submissive. So that's also another kind of. He is shorter, though. He, he is shorter. <laughs> True, but is, is it height is more important than age? Is there a? I think it's the aesthetics of it. Yeah. Yeah. Whichever looks cute. better. Well, then why? <laughs> why is why is there the necessity for the aesthetic? Is what I'm wondering about. Why is it necessary for women to have one of the characters be? visually submissive because that's the one they relate to maybe I don't know I, I, I have kind of conflicting ideas about that because I think the reason because like most of the women who are interested don't want to be men they 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 are heterosexual mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. not they're not interested in becoming a man or and they don't necessarily like heterosexual porn yeah mm -hmm. but if they were in the universe of the comic which one would they want to be and which one would they want to be with? I think it's really important that women tend to generally empathize with characters in um, any kind of media that they're they're watching or reading. I, th yeah, I think it's definitely mm -hmm. more about the emotional, intel intellectual, and psychological side of the relationship. It's not about the visual art form. Like, of course, it is important because it is like a manga or something like that. But at the same time, if they just wanted like visual porn, like, that's not the way that it's set up right now. Like, even if you look at, like, pornography, like, in North America, just, like, regular, straight, like, Playboy, Hustler, all that kind mm -hmm. of thing, we don't have that kind of market for women to look at pictures of naked guys, whether they're by themselves or with other people, mm -hmm. whereas guys are wired a different way. Like, for women, it's more about what's going on, what the yeah. background is, mm -hmm. well, what I, they've I said. I think that's, that's probably why women typically don't like heterosexual porn. One, right. yeah. one there's no plot. And two, the woman is always forced, or nearly always forced, into a submissive or embarrassing role. Mm -hmm. And because you empathize with her as the main character, like I think it forces no you too. into that role. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're imagining, and, and we, you know, if you're, if you're watching something like this, you're imagining yourself in the role, you don't want to be her. Yeah, there's, mm -hmm. more of a like, there's more of a dynamic in Boys Love. It's more, I'm not quite sure how to describe what I'm trying to say, but it's, it's less about the doing each other, I suppose, and more about the actual relationship, because there's not the whole added stigma of, oh my god, if she gets pregnant, or, you know, I don't know, it's just mm -hmm. more relationship-based. Like, I mean, the visual is always great, we like that, but I've always found myself drawn to the more relationship aspect of it. It's so, nice. so are would you agree that it's definitely different from guys liking lesbians? No. <laughs> No. Well, are the reasons behind it different? Mm. I don't think so. I think it's because it's something that I can't experience when it's two people of the same sex. We will never know what it's like to be a guy, and they'll never know what it's like to be a girl. I think most guys that I've talked to, and this is, of course, I'm kind of projecting here because I can't really know, but my impression is that when guys watch two lesbians together, they also, like, they fantasize about the two lesbians, but they also fantasize about the lesbians joining him. Mm -hmm. Like, there's kind yeah. of that buy, yeah, well, that kind of expectation, you, yeah. kind of. Have you ever done anything, like, imagined anything like that? That's not something I would imagine. That's not something that Like, I don't think a girl would do that. Mm -hmm. Like, they wouldn't want the two guys to step out of the panel and come I, and I join her. Scream. Like, that would just yeah. be weird. <laughs> 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 it's, it's rare. Like, I'm not saying it's wrong or bad or anything but i don't think that's mm -hmm. kind that's of the I idea that most women I have i think that although like both are liking to see same sex couples together 
just maybe for there I think it's for different reasons mm-hmm. I think that there's like a different impulse behind it like we don't want to be involved in it we want to just kind of have it existing whereas yeah. whereas it is sort of like oh what if I was there with the, with those two girls and I think there's definitely a taboo element to it as well that makes it more attractive to us like you don't generally see at least not really in our society as much like two boys together mm-hmm. well it depends where you go <laughs> well it depends yeah. where you are and where you go but like there is kind of that element of behind it that I think is really good. Well, attractive to women. Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's a lot, a lot to be said for the fact that you have, um, kind of an explosion of boys love in Japan because there's so much going the other direction too, in in terms of pornography, things that are really exploitive towards women, whether it's animated or not. And I think that could be really challenging and kind of stifling towards a woman if she's if she's wanting to find some erotic film of some kind mm-hmm. to watch or to enjoy mm-hmm. typically it's it's very very embarrassing for the female character you know from from what i'm aware of you have tentacles you, humiliation humiliation is a big aspect of japanese pornography and mm-hmm. it's a lot about degrading the woman and so i could i could imagine i could completely understand why she wouldn't have want to have any woman in any part of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, even now in North America, like, I mean, I've gone to chapters, and I've found uh, boys love manga there. It's coming to chapters. They have gravitation. They've got gorgeous carrot. They've got a bunch of things. And so I think it's starting to become a little bit more um, common here. But, yeah, there's still definitely that taboo element that you were talking about that Mm -hmm. makes it I think it's it's taboo in stores, but not taboo at all online. Mm-hmm. Like if you just look at slash archives for fan fiction, they're huge, <laughs> abundant, <laughs> abundant. I don't think people really know like the mainstream knows what it is yet. No, I don't think so it's hit the hit mainstream at all yet. I think that's why it's in chapters. I think the reason that's exactly what and you said. The parents don't Yuri know. And, uh, <laughs> they're like, and oh look, my little like daughter brought home some anime. Yay! Yeah, it's completely like, <laughs> under the radar, so that's why we can get away with it for now. Mm-hmm. But we'll just have to wait and see how things go in the future. Well, I think it's a really interesting form of expression because it's not something that gay men would find any interest in because there's too much lovey, lovey, kissy, kissy romance stuff that girls not like. Usually. Uh, not usually, not usually, not all, but it's not it's not the same it's audience. Not geared to it's, them. I do know yeah. some that like it well, and they're, they're fans, but yeah, I think it varies. Well, I know I know lots of guys that are you know totally enraptured with Sailor Moon too, but it's not the dem- typical dem- demographic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's I, for I would sure. think I would think it would be something made by women for primarily women. It yeah, it is yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Because I, I know that there are some male slash writers, but most of them, I think, are girls. Yeah. 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 I think. Mm-hmm. Trying I think to think of one that's a guy? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, and it's not working. <laughs> I can't think of one. And I have a pretty extensive library at home. Nope, nothing. Most, well, most of them that I have most, are women. Most gay men I know that read fan fiction, which is a very limited category, <laughs> admittedly, they tend to cringe because girls don't always include the physical dynamics in the right way. Mm-hmm. 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 Like, they'll completely forget lubrication, for instance. <laughs> well, that's the most fun part. Of <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the mystical glowing penis. <laughs> light bars. Because they just show the outline of the it. Outline. Light bars. Yeah. Yep. It's scary. <laughs> Gotta love crazy censorship from Japanese sources. Okay, so um, that's pretty much all for this topic. I think anyone else got any last things to add yeah i i think that uh an interesting parallel would be like because we were talking about how there's like women don't relate to heterosexual porn but that's why there are romance novels i think yes mm-hmm. i think that they serve the same sort of purpose because they have this really idealized man and the idealized situation yeah and, and quite sexual situations too in those and they're also they way they so emotional yeah. yeah they have Over quite the sexual <laughs> situations but they have very strange names for genitalia <laughs> Throbbing member <laughs> comes to mind. <laughs> or norm- normally they don't say member, they say manhood. Oh, yeah. Manhood, okay, manhood okay, and sure. her womanhood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, some, there's something to be said about Harlequins. Memories yeah. from yeah. grade six. <laughs> yeah, grade six. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they have yeah. started producing oh. Harlequin manga. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Oh, Neil has just handed me a napkin on which he wrote his desire. <laughs> And which as 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 another euphemism for male genitalia. Oh, thank you. Uh, yes. <laughs> which is a very important one. But that's a, a, it's an interesting crossover that they've they've started making serialized comic books out of harlequins. Mm-hmm. Have you seen these? No. I have not. I ha- I've seen have them, yeah. you? 
Really? I have not. Where? Where did they do those in the past? I swear I saw some in chapters. Okay, he's handed me another napkin that says warm animal maleness. (laughs) I'm sure he's got more to write. (laughs) (laughs) But let's stop him. men are interfering with our women's only podcast. (laughs) I know. In napkin form. (laughs) (sighs) They're trying to reassert the status quo. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Down fight. Down with them. (laughs) (laughs) If I didn't need my bride, burn it. <laughs> that's that's good to know. <laughs> it's okay. We don't have the video the, the video cast yet. Anyway, so yeah, it's probably for the best. Okay. Any last? No. So so mm. we think Harlequins are moving towards comic books. We'll get boy love into Harlequins soon. I'd love to see that. Mm-hmm. I'd read that. Yeah. And then twelve yeah. year old girls well, everywhere can read. They do sex have stories. they do have male uh, actually a, f- a lot of female authors that do, you know, Harlequin romances with two men. I have a couple. Cool. <laughs> the ring finger nose would count. Technically, well, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, but uh, like I mean, as far as the North American demographic goes, they have like, North, American North Americans for North American women. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I didn't. I know haven't that. seen. They that. do. I haven't seen them, um, but then mostly like I don't buy Harlequins often. But no. if I they're saw very, one of those, they're I might very hard to it. find. It's kind of fun to peruse through chapters or back, you know, backwater bookstores, and you do find them. They're just not as prominent as the you know, typical okay, Harlequin. Okay, so if you've mm. read one, do they have a character that is more diminutive and represents the female? A couple of them do. Like uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I've only read one or two, and in both of those uh, titles escaping me, um, both of the characters have been relatively, you know, similar. In I keep losing my words tonight. Um, similar in stature roles? and and okay. Im- you know, like personality and such. But I, I'm sure there are some out there that have a character that represents sort of a more feminine personality. Mm. It's it's kind of interesting to think about whether the the more feminine personality is is a Japanese idea or whether it's something that's kind of cross-cultural or the way that we understand if like to understand homosexuality. Oh, I think it's it. definitely something that we have in North America. Mm-hmm. When you look well, at yeah, like for example looking have. at not so much men but like when you look at two women's you're like oh which one is the butch? Like yeah. mm-hmm. it's kind of rude to say and I don't well, want to yeah, think of no. one that's labeled as whatever, but people th- have that impression that one has to be masculine and one has to be feminine even if they're two women or if they're two men mm-hmm. it's, re- it's really you interesting have that ingrained kind of, well which i, I think really all, of us, sense to all me. of us are masculine and feminine mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. that's a bunch of crazy like why can't they just both be women and mm-hmm. both be feminine or both be masculine if they're two men but that's just the way that i think it makes people more comfortable to know that there is still some of the original you know sort so of it's more normal they're looking for like yeah. a binary in the relationship so that they're not the same they're they're kind of like a duality a duality i don't know Hard to say. Okay, so we'll be back after the break, and we're going to be talking about food and anime. Yay, food and anime. <laughs> but mostly Together food. at last. Welcome back. You're in our second segment of the All Girls Podcast, uh, 17th edition. 
well, not the 17th edition of the All Girls Podcast, <laughs> but the 17th edition of the podcast at all. Okay. Um, so we're back and we're talking about food, J- Japanese food, food and anime. Um, so first we're going to go around and see what people have to say about their favorite example of food occurring in anime. If you can think of one. Were you going around mm-hmm. counterclockwise? Mm-hmm. Going around counterclockwise. Okay. Just, just to... Which way is counterclockwise? That's me. That's you. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I want to narrow it down too much, but whenever the characters will stop in like a ramen noodle shop or anything kind of like that, and they have the dishes and they're stirring their noodles, I think I like those moments. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it always looks so good, and it's steaming, and that makes me happy. I can't think of melon bread anymore without thinking of shakugan Oshana. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I haven't seen that series. Yet. Do you want to explain a little? <laughs> yeah. Um, she's tell. just being not quite human. <laughs> she um. She's got this obsession with melon bread that the maid used to bring her. So now, whenever she sees it, she just impulsively buys it and eats it. So, like, once every couple episodes, she's got this loaf of melon bread. And it's 26 episodes, so it's a lot of melon bread. <laughs> um, yeah. Yakitazi Japan, because I love bread. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I know it's not really Japanese, except for the fact that he's trying to find, you know, like, the perfect Japanese bread. But... Th- I don't know. I just like the bread. And yeah, I guess I have to agree with the whole idea of the ramen stand and mm-hmm. any anime. And Pocky, because anime was... What, I don't know. Would that be considered food? Yeah. It's edible. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. So yeah, watching... It, like, like, instant ramen, I think, qualifies as anti-food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Depletes nutrients. <laughs> good stuff. Do you have a favorite bread from Yakitate Japan? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> All of it. It, it all just looks so good. It, like, the first time I saw that show, I went out to the supermarket and I bought, like, the French bread and sat there with a giant loaf of bread and watched more. Mm-hmm. Which is rather <laughs> pathetic, but that's okay. <laughs> My favorite is probably yakisoba. Just, like, different moments where they make it and eat it, especially at the school Did you get fairs. to try it when you were in Japan, or have you had it? Um, it looked pretty nasty. There was someone at the convenience store, and it had been sitting out all day, and so it was kind of soggy, and the yakisoba didn't look all that good. But I made it at home once. I got yeah. some French bread, and I cooked up the yakisoba, and I put all sorts of vegetables in it, and it was completely delicious. I've never watched Yakitate Japan, but just from conversations I've had with people talking about the show, the one thing that always comes up is, again, like the melon bread, and I've yet <laughs> oh, to yeah. experience yeah. that, so I'm looking good. forward to it. Well, I'm sure you'll have lots of chances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite example of food occurring in anime is actually in Fruits Basket. There's this scene where Toru is describing everyone as, as an onigiri with an umeboshi on their back, mm-hmm. and they can't see what their own talents are because they're on their back. And it just it just made me, you know, f- have a fangirl moment. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so that's, I think that's probably my favorite example of food occurring in anime. Although there's plenty of others. And I do agree with you about the little ramen huts with the drunk people with the red cheeks yeah. underneath the little oh, curtain yeah. sitting on the chair, leaning over, hunched over, salary man eating, you know. They're, well, sometimes they have yakitori, too. Mm-hmm. Or whatever else happens to be sold at that particular yeah. hut. Mm-hmm. No, I was thinking before about the scene in Honey and Clover where um, Yamada and... I can't remember his name right now, but they go on this long drive to go to this certain shop to go and get this certain brand. I think it's of some kind of noodle dish. That was really vague, but it's all my memory's <laughs> doing for me right now. Well, it's, it's really interesting, kind of, the sorts of food, because you never know what kind of food is going to appear in anime. Like, something that's confused me for years is the flowery hamburger, which is a hamburger with an egg shaped like a flower on top of it. And I don't understand its purpose. I don't understand why you would eat it. I don't entirely understand. I'm sure it would taste fine, but like I would never think, oh, let's put a fried egg on top of my hamburger. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's weird. It is a bit like just strange. Like, well, I guess it's the typical Japanese thing: take something Western and do stuff to it mm-hmm. to to improve it or not improve it, as the case may be. Have you guys noticed uh, like the noti- the appearances of KFC in anime? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 me so much. Yeah, K- I love that. KFC and Whackdonalds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Whackdonalds. I think the K- oh, yeah. KFC is like two different things I've noticed. Like the one is obviously like the Christmas episodes. They tend like it's like mm-hmm. a tradition. You, on Christmas, you go out and get a bucket of KFC. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, well, you know, our family on, on on Christmas Eve we go we go get Chinese food. So I guess it's kind I guess of it's similar kind of parallel. <laughs> but it's tied in like the very f- one of the first animes that I've watched. Like, this is way back in the day when Nuka Nuka was first kind of out and like I think it's the first episode of the OAV you see them and they have their KFC and I'm like why? (laughs) I didn't understand at all. Uh, It was only like years later that I kind of realized that that was a trend. 
And then I think in Higurashi, there's the scene in the beginning where they're looking for a little statue of the Konal in the anime, d- in like the dump that's outside of the town, and it just seemed really bizarre to me, but I guess <laughs> it's just as popular there. Didn't they run into um, Mr. Chicken in Kim- Kimogori Orange Road or something? I think there was a scene like that where they ran into a statue think of so. the Colonel. Yeah. Like, oh, it's like Mr. Chicken. <laughs> Mr. Chicken. Mr. Chicken. I think, though, that I think making food by hand is like a huge integral part of a lot of anime, particularly anime aimed at girls. Like like the the making of the Tizuguni. bento, or making of the mm-hmm. picnic yeah, food, or mm-hmm. learning how to cook. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's, the bento it's is a huge part of it. And the girls that yeah. make the really beautiful dinners with the, with the hearts and the rice for the, the guys that they like, and they mm-hmm. get. And oh of course, ice. you also have the archetype too of the girl that horribly poisons and <laughs> <laughs> makes this horrible food, well, like a kanish from Rama. Well, with fish heads, always <laughs> with fish heads. You know, yeah. well, no, it's like uh, in uh, Kenshin. First ever anime. Uh, you know, Karu can't cook to save her life, but Kenshin, you know, can. He's amazing, and he does all the mm-hmm. time. You know. Well, that's that's the same with Akane and Ranma. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's, 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 like, yeah. it's like either she can cook, and she's perfect at cooking, or she can't cook at all. There's no middle ground. Mm-hmm. There's no okay cooks mm-hmm. in anime. There's abysmal cooks, and there's fantastic cooks. Yeah. 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 I think it's probably like... Um, one of those archetypes in anime of like the girl who's clumsy but she's got a pure heart and it's like that's one of her traits yeah the clumsy pure-hearted girl and then there's the ones where it doesn't quite look right but it tastes fine yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think i think i've seen that a couple times sloppy onigiri with like you know seaweed and then they're always like unexpectedly it tastes good Oh, school <laughs> rumble. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's the obsession with curry in, in school yeah. rumble, too. Yeah, yeah. there is. Why? I don't really understand. I'm well, not a curry person. <laughs> curry is like a really kind of popular dish, especially yeah. in okay. Mento, too. Mm-hmm. And you have to have the white rice separate from the curry, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, right, so it doesn't get soggy yeah. Yeah. in the bento. Oh, yeah, I suppose uh, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> My current obsession, okay, is bento, because I was recently diagnosed as gluten intolerant, so I can't have bread, and so I've been obsessed with things that aren't bread right now, so I can't watch Yakitaki Japan and go insane. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but but I was, I've been looking at crazy bentos made by people, and they have something, and I want it. I'm going to order it. It's something to mold hard-boiled eggs. It's not like It's not like making an egg that's poached. It's not like you crack the egg into it and cook it. You take the hard-boiled egg, you take the shell off while it's still hot, and you put it into a shaper, and you can make it into a star, or a heart, or Hello Kitty, or whatever you want. And that makes me absurdly happy. (laughs) And then sometimes they food dye them to be different colors. Oh, that's insane. I'm not at all your type of cook. I'm sorry, Courtney. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely of the school of... It looks really bad, but it tastes good. Like, all of my stuff looks bad. I'm not about the presentation skills at all. But if someone (laughs) gave you one of these eggs, would you be pleased with it? I would eat it and be happy. <laughs> but if, it, if you gave it to me and it looked like dead something, I would still eat it, and if it tasted good, I would be happy. <laughs> but imagine the deviled eggs you could make with them. That's true. I'd question the food coloring. Mm. I really would. Yeah, something about green eggs. <laughs> Unless you have ham. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'd make it green. I think I'd make it like pink or blue, purple. <laughs> That'd be cute. Yeah, especially with the yellow filling. The deviled eggs. But just like, like the, 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 all of the, the levels of obsession with mothers preparing bentos for their children. I wish some of this would carry over here. I, I, I work with kids a lot, and the, like they get you know like a Mars bar and a bag of chips and, and, and a soda pop <laughs> That's for terrible. lunch. It's like, <laughs> oh, where, yeah. where is the, the, the... Even if they can't find the time, they could at least like throw some fruit in there or something. Well, how old are these kids that you're thinking of? These, like, these after are 5 to 14. <laughs> I think after oh. the age of... Even as young as 10. Like, I think it was around when I was 12, around there, my mom cut me off, and I was on my own for making my lunch. Like, she so would buy I, my yeah, food for me, me but too. I would have to make it. So there is a level of responsibility, but... I find it's very strange, because girls make their lunches at about maybe 10 or 11, but I know some guys that are nearly my age who still <laughs> their have... Their mom still <laughs> makes their dinner <laughs> and their lunch. I think that's insane. Or don't do their laundry yet. That's another one. Oh. I was forced to do my laundry. I, I, I hope they don't ever want to marry. No, I live, <laughs> I live in residence, and you see these guys come down, they have these, like, giant packs full of dirty laundry and they just lug it home and their mom does it for them on the weekend and then they just bring it That's back and it's sad. unfolded. Actually, I think my mom does that too. <laughs> but I can do my own laundry. Mm-hmm. I just do it because it's cheap and easy it's that not way. Hard. No, no really not. Yeah. My mother has stopped, so even if the hamper is overflowing, she won't do it, so we have no choice. So We do. Yeah. Good well, that's, that's probably for the best for everyone's sake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they actually banned bento for quite a period of time because... In, in the period post-World War II, it was a status symbol for your child to have the best and most expensive bento 
mm. items. Mm. And so they started providing school lunches. Yeah, in school、oh. lunches they provided. I think、mm-hmm. some places you have to pay for it. Like you have to pay a certain fee, but all the children eat the same meals. That that way, you know,、yeah. try to try to you know get rid of the bento disparity <laughs> in, in schools. But it's just an interesting phenomenon. I also made those those、um, hot dog octopus things. Oh really? Oh. They're really easy and they're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> they always kind of freak me out. They freak me out a little. Until I realized that it was just a hot dog and not an octopus. Yeah. Well, it's like an actual hot dog that you get in the package, or like the canned like. No, it's an actual hot dog you get in the package. <laughs> you you cut it in half, or you can cut it into thirds if you yeah, want, and you 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 slice about up to about an inch before the end of it, and you cut it into eight segments, and you just put it in boiling water, and it goes. Oh, I'm totally trying that. <laughs> And they look fantastic, and you can make little crabs, and and you can do freeform artistic ones by just cutting like random cuts into it and putting it in the water, and it explodes in different shapes. So it sounds like craft time. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's、Same、fun, and it's easy. And for orcs with veggie dogs, I don't know.、Mm-hmm. I think anything in w- that has a casing it would work on because、okay. the casing expands more than the no, the the, the, the inside. The, the insides inside expand、yeah. more than the casing, and、yeah. that's what causes、True. the art. Okay, the fun, the fun, the fun. <laughs> Okay. Can't play sometimes. with your food. Well, well, playing with your food is fun, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start you know experimenting with things and taking pictures of them. <laughs> <laughs> you have to once you start making pretty food. Yeah. Well, I don't. You have to if you have pictures. You have to have a blog. Well, maybe maybe I'll just give them to Mike and he can put them on the website. <laughs> <laughs> things Courtney did with her food today. <laughs> okay, so we're moving back to Superflat, and I'm gonna let Angela do the introduction on this one.、Um, we talked about it a few weeks ago. And I'm just going to let her take this away because we didn't delve into it completely, and we weren't、mm-hmm. quite sure of our definitions to begin with. So yeah, so I did some research, and I found out that it all originates from this one artist named Takashi Murakami, and he started off in art school, learning fine arts, learning、uh, what's basically traditional Japanese arts, but the modern take on it. And he became really disillusioned with that sort of elitist high art system, and so he. Turned to the dark side. Basically, he became fixated on otaku culture, and he be- firmly believes that anime and manga and otaku culture can become a new kind of a culture and rejuvenate Japan's art scene. So that's sort of his manifesto, and、um, his frustration is rooted in the fact that the arts market in Japan is not sustainable. It's really hard to make a career there. Apparently, as an artist, so he was just totally disillusioned with the whole system. So super flat. It gets its name from the style, which uses a lot of flat planes of color and graphic images, which are inspired by anime. And it comments on the otaku culture and its consumerism and sexual fetishism. So that's why we get a lot of things like Evangelion being called super flat and Studio Four C's、um, art style being called super flat. And so what he does is, unlike Andy Warhol, who you may know, he's an artist who was taking、uh, like Campbell's soup cans and Just ordinary stuff and turning them into high art and putting them in galleries and saying, "What do you think of that?" Well, unlike him, Murakami takes various things and puts it all together, and he puts it in galleries. He does sculptures, he does paintings, but he also does like designs for things. He makes like characters and gum and handbags, and just puts it out everywhere. So he's he's working with high and low in order to try to break apart the notion that there should be a distinction between it. So,、uh, what else did I write? Is there、um, any? Is there any? Because I've heard several times in what I've read that there's sort of a connection between、um, the atomic bombs dropping and the end of World War II and all of the subsequent art in Japan, and there's kind of a relation. Is there anything that you found when you were researching this?、Mm, well, the book that I brought today, Little Boy,、um, it's about an art show that. Mokami put together about about that subject, and I haven't read the book all the way through yet. But he did definitely assert that there was a connection between it, that it did have severe repercussions on、um, Japan's subconscious, and that like re- retreating from reality into a fantasy and the whole otaku thing could come from like experiencing such a, a bitter reality. So I think that was the connection he was saying. Well, when you look at anime, and you see all the kind of like Tokyo Three and all the kind of apocalypse type things, and they're living on. There's been some kind of world war or something.、Mm-hmm. Kind of maybe traces back to that. Yeah, for sure. It's like how many times does the Tokyo Tower get blown up? Here's <laughs> <laughs> our beloved national symbol, and let's watch it get exploded five different times. Yeah, 
And how, and how many times do you see mutated characters mm-hmm. one way or another? <laughs> you okay? Oh, you I just had a, <laughs> a coughing attack. <coughs> oh, I don't really know much about the subject. Like, I mean, this is the first I've really heard of it in more detail than anything else. Um, I guess the only thing I can really think of now is uh, when he said he designed handbags and, and characters and such, just the idea of accessible art, mm-hmm. which I like. It's a nice idea. And, I mean, they they kind of have it here, too. There's a lot of little galleries scattered around. You can go see it, but there's nothing... And even actually now, starting with the purses that have art images on them, so same sort of idea, but nothing that's expressly designed as you know, purses being a display for art or anything. So I like that mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, and I think having mass-produced items um, with undertones of post-war um, feelings is a way to just get their frustrations and. Um, their feelings about what happened to them out there mm-hmm. to everyone else. And it, it kind of forms a way for them to connect about what happened to their society and culture as a whole. Yeah, maybe it's like a cathartic element of watching like Akira and Evangelion, just like these world-exploding events. I don't know. Well, it's interesting because you get both world-exploding events, but you also get all kinds of distortions to the human form. Mm-hmm. So you have lots of things with, with androids, but also just kind of the destruction of the human body, visualized. Like, well, so you get that in Akira, too. You kind of get, like, the body itself, or the the human body, as destructive. Mm -hmm. You know, hugely destructive, but also internally destructive, I think. Yeah, like, we're watching, in the anime club right now, we're watching Saikano, and it's about a schoolgirl who's, uh, who is also an ultimate weapon, and so her body's being distorted by these horrible weapons that are used to kill thousands of innocent people. And then you get that real parallel between kind of cu- between kind of the innocence of that schoolgirl and mm-hmm. kind of the destructive force or the destructive power of the military and it's kind of well it's it's the grotesque. You yeah. have you have you know you have like kind of just this really innocuous situation with all this kind of like hyper strange reality superimposed over it. So you have like like you, kind of like a bifocal look at at the schoolgirl cuz like sometimes she's completely normal ridiculous mm-hmm. crying. And then sometimes she's exploding and blowing things up. Mm-hmm. And she's both the same person, and I guess all of us have that person, you know, that the kind of duality in us. But it's, it's really tends to be hyper-exposed and, and um, important to a lot of anime. I can't really think of an anime that is drama that doesn't have kind of ref- reflections of this in it. You know, you have, you have silly anime that don't delve in very deep, but anything that has kind of... Like, for instance, um, Ghost in the Shell is more about this than you could imagine. Mm-hmm. 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 <coughs> That's for sure. Right, and so you, you get echoes of it in all through cyberpunk. You get echoes of it. I, I, I really can't think of one <laughs> that, that doesn't have it. Like, if, if you're going for, for serious animes, you've got explosions. But you also have, like, the mutation of the body for the purpose of war or for the higher good or the greater good. And mm-hmm. just the destruction of the human body. Yeah, Mecha, mm-hmm. too. It's a big thing, and Ultraman, and other things. Just robots. And it's always children. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are the children always made to pilot? Yeah, that's especially, and even when you talk about, like, the 14-year-olds, and, like, why they have to be so young, and all that kind of issue. Mm-hmm. I think it really carries over. I wouldn't say that all anime reflects kind of Well, it's not all, idea, because, like, you definitely have, like, shows that are about romance, or shows that are... But I'm saying, like, shows that are drama that are about society in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tend, tend to have, like, like e- well, even even shows that aren't blow up Tokyo Tower more often than not. <laughs> you know, just, just for the, the boom factor. And then you have other ramifications in popular culture. You have Godzilla, for yeah. instance. Yeah. And all yeah. those other city-destroying... Kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> you know, monster <laughs> creatures. And so then you have older creatures oh. from Japanese mythology brought forward to be used as huge destructive forces on the urban complex, mm-hmm. which is hugely interesting. Yes. And then you've got to wonder about all these creators of manga and anime. Do they want to destroy Tokyo? Or see it destroyed? Is there some part of them that does? Mm-hmm. I think we'd have to ask them. Yeah. <laughs> I know, we'd have <laughs> to. I can't answer for them. 
Well, even going beyond that, just to get into North America and like disaster films and all that, like you have films like Twister and what's the one with Pierce Brosnan and I don't know, like The Day After Tomorrow and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like you do have that theme, I think, kind of maybe across all cultures and societies where like what happens if the world ends? What if we only had one day to live? Like, that kind but, of I, thing. but I think that it, it kind of. It's more so in anime, I think it's more, a bit more concentrated. Well, though. it's concentrated mm-hmm. in anime, but also in any live action productions in Japan. Like they have how many Godzilla movies? How many, like, and how many Ultraman, Big Monster, Destroy City? kind of movies are there. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just a very, very common motif, mm-hmm. if, <laughs> if I can call it that. I wonder if they're trying to say, you know, it could be worse, but it doesn't seem like... I don't know if it's worse. I think it's kind of like a, a, a communal obsession with, with self-destruction and recreation. I think that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But do you think like Godzilla movies are still as popular today as they were before? Like, did, was there kind of like a time when they were kind of in mode, if you would say something like it's that? It's hard to say what people in Japan watch. I have no idea. Like, I don't know. If, a new, Godz- if a new Godzilla movie comes <laughs> out, are people excited about it? Or is it just like... Well, you can look at right now, again, like going back to more North America, and I know we probably should be talking about that, but if you look at movies like Saw and Hostel and all those kind of like really graphic horror movies, like gore movies, movies, basically, torture movies. Mm -hmm. Like, there's something that's more of the last decade, I would say. Like, definitely we had horror movies before then, but there's more, like, zombie movies, and, like, it's more of that kind of graphic, graphic (laughs) movie that's become so movie. Like, how many Saw movies are there right now? They're gonna make five. There's three out right now, the fourth one's coming out next year, and there's, I think they're planned five, if not more. Second Hostel is coming out soon. I don't know if that's a reflection of anything, necessarily, that's going on in society today. Maybe it is, or maybe it's just because it's become popular. Like, I don't know where you trace that back to. Well, does it become popular because it's something that's relevant to the society for today, or is it popular because... Is it because teenagers today feel more disposable? Like, I don't know where you trace that back to. Because generally those movies are marketed towards teens. And yeah, the people are. in them mm-hmm. are teens, like usually half-naked blonde teens, but... <laughs> well, that's <laughs> just the way it draw. You know, it's just the way Sex and violence. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, it's just know. interesting. Well, well, in terms of um, just the color we were talking about before with super flat, just to take us totally back to the beginning of the topic, mm-hmm. it's really interesting Like that the flat panels of color is kind yeah. of where super flat is coming from, right? Yeah, we were talking about the visuals before, and I think from researching it, it's definitely it definitely comes straight out of manga and anime, but they were also talking about how before manga and anime, that sort of style goes back to traditional Japanese woodcuts and... Well, I guess prints. you would have to have kind of like, well, the idea of super flat and woodcuts because you have limited color palette right. when you're producing them. And then sail anim- animation, it just makes sense to have these flat planes of color. And mm-hmm. so then since Murakami in his super flat thing, he's appropriating that in, in his art, basically. I, I guess, well, all art is really about appropriation of things from before and kind of just taking them in a new mm-hmm. direction. And I guess that it, it's not strange at all for you know the wood block and cell to be related and then for that to be related to super flat through all the crazy postmodern stuff happening in Japan after it's interesting mm-hmm. in, in 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 the post world war 2 era like well, i guess i guess the entire world changed at that point pretty yeah. much mm-hmm. you know we did too mm-hmm. we yeah. did by we i mean north america <laughs> just, just so, so that no one is confused <laughs> i wasn't alive then <laughs> except maybe in spirit reincarnation no um so 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 some examples of super flat images and iconography we talked about um evangelion a little bit mm-hmm. and what other so is, is everything gynax sort of super flat one way or another mm, maybe more the earlier stuff earlier yeah just like um daikon that animation just like uh, cute girls and things blowing up. And just to what clarify, um, super flat. Is it more about the way that it's drawn and the way that it's animated, or is it it's more about more, the it's a attitude postmodern and kind of art the feeling? So it. It's more about the intention than okay. the style. Mm-hmm. But the style mm-hmm. tends to be influenced by anime and manga. Like it's kind of both. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Other things are we talked about Studio Four C and Koji Morimoto, who's one of the heads of Studio Four C, is widely considered to be a super flat artist himself. And so he worked on things like Memories, the Animatrix sequence of Beyond, um, Mind Game, new, the new movie Techcon Concrete, which we talked about. And also, one that I thought was interesting is that the Alien 9 manga author, Hitoshi Tomizawa, is also considered to be super flat, just in the story. Yeah. Just taking these this cute girl element and... Alien 9 was fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, so. I, I think it goes in several. Like I also um, in in the the book that you have, it's little boy. Mm-hmm. There's I saw saw an image reference to Junko Mizuno. So it's it's not just um, animation. It's also I would imagine in manga and just I guess visual culture and all kinds yeah. of different different directions. Um, if you haven't seen Junko Mizuno's um, work, she's really fantastic, and it's kind of like this grotesquely cute. I I, I don't I don't know any other words to describe it than mm-hmm. grotesquely cute um, manga series of little one shots any other final things about super flat before we go to the last segment no no everyone's giving me blank looks i guess we're done (laughs) okay so we'll see you after the break with everybody's favorite shoujo recommendations
Welcome back, everyone. This should be the final segment of our podcast today. Um, I've just realized I never introduced myself, and they reminded me. I'm Courtney. I, I've been here before. I I like anime. <laughs> that's that's all I said. That's it. That's all I've got to say on the topic for today. So um, we are going to be talking about shoujo, both recommendations, favorite characters. We might head back into BL for some of our recommendations, just for fun. Um, so... Favorite shoujo character? I'm looking at Angela first. Mm, the character who gives me the most joy is probably from a work with loves um, when one of his one of the main characters who is Major Klaus, and he's just such a ridiculous character. I know I, t- I talked about him before in another show, but he's really uptight and completely asexual, and he doesn't respond very well at all to the main character Aurora's flamboyantly gay advances, and it's just creates a lot of hilarious situations for him and also he's really clever so that helps too okay um i don't watch a lot of shoujo i guess my favorite would be uh, one we're watching in anime club now which is uh oran high school host club which is awesome i totally recommend it to anybody uh favorite character <laughs> i'm kind of odd i like uh well tamaki senpai the you know main blonde sort of naive ditzy but surprisingly smart main character kind of a juxtaposition and um Kyoya senpai just because he's so he's like i mean they make allusions to them being similar but he's so much more uptight and so organized as opposed to tamaki sort of flamboyantly mm. they play well out off of there each yeah other. they play very well off of each other especially in the I don't remember which episode. I don't it is, understand but it's the cool type. I like yeah. the cool type. <laughs> it's never been my I type. I enjoy the cool type. <laughs> Some girls seem to enjoy it, so uh, yeah. That's why they're types. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't say that I have a favorite either, but I love Kaleido Star as a series. I think it's partly <laughs> yes. because I'm a, th- I'm a theater major, so yeah. just watching what they do with the time and their budget. If I, only we had that if budget. If only we had that budget. <laughs> oh. The sets and costumes are amazing on that show. They are. And, and also totally unrealistic in a way. <laughs> they have like two days to build these huge waterfalls. And they're like, let's and change everything at the last minute. Okay, let's go, guys. Lies, all lies. <laughs> but fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start off with the throwback. The first series that I ever watched, just like many, many people, was Sailor Moon. Yeah. When I very first started watching the Deke dub, my favorite was Sailor Jupiter, so Makoto. But then it changed. Then it was Haruka. And then it was Seiya. And then it was Mars again. <laughs> Who's in my room right now? But actually, I would say my favorite. <laughs> <room. laughs> wow. In your room? Yep. Okay. Yep. You should invite me up later. <laughs> anyway, so then, um, for a while now, my favorite character has been from Two Heart, um, Nagaoka Shiho. Um, she's just really energetic, bubbly. She's actually kind of reminds me of Haruhi now that I think about it. Um, it's been so long that since I've watched Two Heart, though, and there's so many things that have come out since then. I don't know if I can def- definitively say that she is my favorite children character, but I'm going to pin it on her for now. Okay. So, I've got to throw back to, I think my favorite shoujo character might be you from Marmalade Boy. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Usually. I still haven't seen that. Or you really should. Their anything. shoulders kind of hurt my brain, but aside from that, it was animated during that period where people's shoulders hurt my brain. Aww. And I've got another one. I don't really know if if Beck Mongolian Chop Squad qualifies as shoujo, but there's lots of. I don't, think, of, so. I don't think, think so, but there's some romance so. in it. I really like Koyuki. I, I think he's a hilarious character. I think he's fantastic because he's funny. I don't know if romance and shoujo are necessarily the same thing, but they're we'll not. But there's there's some crossover thingies, maybe. I suppose so. Did you catch any of the Beck Marathon that was on Much Music? I haven't. I've I've seen it all and read so what as much of the manga that has come out already, but. No. Is the Mongol out or still coming out? It's still coming out, I think, because I haven't read it all, so I would imagine it is. But like they they cut off like the the, the end of the series, does the last like fifteen million volumes of the manga. So yeah, I don't know if you've heard in Japan right now. I don't know if they're finished or if they've started or if they're mid- in the middle. But they're re-releasing the Marmalade Boy manga. It's mm-hmm. like a perfect edition or something like that, yeah, and they're kind of bound <laughs> up nicely. So I'm probably going to pick it up and start working my way through it in Japanese when I get there. That'll be good a practice good thing to, to do. Okay, so I guess I've got some other ones. I have a few. I, I also like Kyo from Fruits Basket. 
Everyone <laughs> likes Kyofu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody does, yeah. though. Yeah. No, but not everybody does. Does anybody support Yuki? There are Yuki fans. There are really Yuki fans. Yuki fans? I used to be a Yuki fan, and then I just he just grew on me. And I know some people that really like Shigure. Like, I know yeah. some people that really like Haru. I like Haru to some extent. Yeah. Not a Haru fan. No. But I don't know. I really had to switch switch around. Like if you don't like it one minute, the next minute he'll be doing something you like, maybe. But I think it's quite different if you've just only watched the, the anime, or if you've also been following the manga, because yeah. the storyline yeah. changed exactly quite not. a bit after the anime <laughs> ended. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> just a bit. Okay, so how about recommendations for people to pick up um, manga or anime, shoujo or not, whatever you like. Mm. Recommendations. Mm. Recommendations. My recommendation would be the manga for Please Save My Earth. Um, it's quite long at 22 volumes, but and the first couple volumes, well, it started when it started. It was written in the 80s and went on for I think nine years. So the art style changes quite a bit from the typical 80s aesthetic to more uh, 90s stuff. And her art got extremely, like, it got way better, but. So if you can get past the way it looks, then know that it does get better, but it's just the storyline is absolutely captivating, and it's so complicated I can't even describe it here, but if you like stories about reincarnation or faded love, that sort of thing, then you should pick it up. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna totally go sort of mainstream, you know, Helsing, because its art style is just, I love it. It's really heavy, really dark. Really, sort of. It's a very. It's. It seems like such an angry art style, but um, Kota Hirano is uh, the author, I guess we'll call him, because, and it, he puts a lot of. He puts a little bit of humor into it too. So not only is it an enjoyable read with actual story, despite the fact that Volume Eight has not, you know, is only coming out now after two years, um, but it's. I mostly like it for the the art and the fact that I like Dracula, but. You know, that's just everybody likes Dracula. His castle is on sale. It's for 120 million. I want to buy it, but <laughs> <laughs> I can't. But yeah, Helsing, as far as the art goes, is just because it's so. There's less dialogue, more lines. I like it. One of my favorites. On the complete opposite end, um, the anime Kamichu is oh, wonderful yes, because yes. it's <laughs> so random, so fluffy. There's nothing to it but feel goodness. I guess it's the best way to describe it. I enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to talk about Honey and Clover, but I think most people <laughs> that have seen it already love it, and most people that haven't seen it, they might probably be aware of it. So I'm going to move on from there. Um, I've kind of been in the middle of watching, well, a couple of series right now, but one of them right now is Yomigaru Sora Rescue Wings. Um, it's only a 12, 13 episode series. It's relatively slow moving. It's about this one guy, and he's a pilot. Um, I think. He originally wanted to be like a fighter pilot, like a jet pilot, but he didn't make the cut. Something happened. I haven't gotten that far yet, but he ended up uh, working for Rescue Wings, which is basically like a rescue, kind of like um, the Air Guard, like the Coast Guard. So he just goes and he pilots his helicopter and he rescues people. And at first he's kind of doesn't really like it, like he got stuck there, but he starts to learn. It's a bit predictable and a bit formulaic. Like, as, as soon as you see the characters go somewhere new or they're riding some other thing or they're off-duty, you know that something bad's going to happen and they're going to have to go and rescue people. Like, it, yeah, but it's still good, yeah. worth, well worth watching. Well, speaking of, you know, predictable and formulaic, I, I know a lot of people disagree with me on this one, but I love Kyo Karamao. I know, Clarissa, you're not too terribly fond of it. It, it is silly. It is silly. <laughs> that's the point. But that's the point. <laughs> it's it's really si- It's long, so and it's uh, licensed by, you know, Genon, so... It's also expensive. I, I'm prepared to spend the money on it, but it's it's seventy seventy episodes. Yeah. I had high expectations for it, but I think I would pick it up again. I don't know. I've only watched the first six or so episodes. I love the opening. I <laughs> yeah yeah. I love the music, but yeah. I I, I think bec- I think because it's silly and I don't have to think too terribly much while watching it that it's something I can sit down and just enjoy. I don't know. I think the whole kind of motif with the water, like getting sucked down the toilet or anything like that. Like, <laughs> I thought that was like, a great. little cheesy. I know. Yeah. I don't know. But I guess you need some kind of like portal between the worlds. I guess it's better than a book or it's just the same as a book. I'm thinking of Shigi Yugi. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. we know. Which is the good <laughs> Well, for Shigi Yugi is, is a good classic. Um, my recommendation, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it. I've changed my mind about four times since we started going around the table, but I'm going to recommend for anyone that hasn't read it, His and Her Circumstances, Karekano. Because I really enjoy it quite a lot. Um, Is that finished yet? (laughs) 
Not sure. I'm I'm still behind yeah. on that one as I'm as I'm going along. And another one which I've totally forgotten the author for, but it's actually an OEL written by a team of one person who's who's um, Canadian and one person who is Korean Canadian, and it's it's called Love Is a Foreign Language, and it's about a Canadian English teacher in Korea who is going insane. And he's oh. about to fly home because he can't take Korea anymore because he's going through culture shock when he meets a girl. Aww. And suddenly Korea Aww. doesn't seem quite so bad anymore. And that's that's the story. And um, the first collected volume is out of, I think, the first five or six manga. And there should be another one coming in April, although the thin books are, are mm-hmm. coming out more frequently than that. Um, let's do webcomics inside. Sure. Yeah, okay, there's a couple, actually. Um, This one called Van Bon Hunter that came out. It's now in, um, published by Tokyo Pop. Uh, Tokyo, Tokyo Pop. Pop. Um, and it started out as a webcomic, and it's just a really bizarre webcomic about a hunter of evil stuff. And a sidekick who never gets a name. And, yeah, sidekick. And it's really, really funny. And it has a lot of weird pop culture references. A lot of parodies to uh, anime. sci-fi, fantasy, anime. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think we got everybody's recommendations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it for the girls' episode. So everybody say goodbye to all whoever's listening. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.